Good, Good morning, morning campers. campers. Today's activities will include starting our own superhero team. Lunch today will be going through this intro for a second time because I'm recording now. And to end the night, we will be saving the universe from total obliteration, except nobody's going to know because somebody wasn't recording the first time we did it. <laughs> so put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we, again, dive into the Great Lakes Avengers. The Great Lakes Avengers. Marishka Hargate, Sarah. Marishka Hargate, Sam. I'm your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestler manager. And I'm Camp Counselor Sarah. I'm here to kick butts and eat nuts. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. So you are our comics guy. I dabble, I but you are guy. a comics guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm full on into dudes and um, big on into comics. <laughs> Your two great loves. They've never crossed over, unfortunately. <laughs> Every single guy I've dated has been like, "Yeah, I'm kind of interested," and I'm like, "Can I talk to you about it?" And they're like, well, "Maybe once in a while." Shut up. Oh. It's okay. I, I, Big I, dudes I, I who are into comics, you can reach Sam at uh, 902. 9-0-2-1-0. Yes, I live in <laughs> Beverly Hills. The Great Lakes Avengers. What is your history? Because mine's probably going to be longer with this. What's it your is, history? It with is. The... I love Squirrel Girl. I particularly love Squirrel Girl because of Ryan North's run on Squirrel Girl. Um, I've been reading Ryan North and Dinosaur Comics since I was in high school, I, and he is a very funny writer no matter what he does. He's just fantastic. Via Squirrel Girl, you know, knew of the Great Lakes Avengers. Sort of tangentially, it's one of those things where it's like, um, it's like Condiment Man in Batman, where <laughs> he shows up in the Lego Batman movie. Uh, hold on, hold on. Not Condiment Man, what? Condiment King. Condiment King, thank you. Where I was leaving Lego Batman and I turned to my mom and I was like, you know the Condiment King's a real character, right? He's not just a joke. Where it's it's hard to tell sometimes what, when you're reading comics, is a one-off joke and one and what is actually a character who goes back for 60 years. Yeah, there's there's a very, very fine line that is maybe an atom thick at this point <laughs> between the two i mean okay all right let's let's get into some marvel history stuff to catch you up to where this series which is titled gla for several reasons we'll get to <laughs> and what's what's going on here you have to understand with comic books that we go through these phases, these eras, right? Mm -hmm. The initial phase of comic books was called the Golden Era, and that's where you get your Superman, Wonder Woman, Bat uh, Batman, you know, triumvirate of the DC heroes. You get your old Justice Society people, the initial Green Lantern, not the Hal Jordan, yada, yada. But mm -hmm. this was that very pure... We're going to punch a Nazi on the nose and then take our dame out for a night on the town, but a nice one where we drink milk. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then it evolved. 
because yep. all art evolves. The next That's the interesting thing, too, this. is you get the people who grew up on the comics are eventually the ones who are writing and uh, drawing them. That's, that's exactly what happens. So by the time the Silver Age comes around, Marvel fully forms in the Silver Age, and DC Comics had been slowly eating up little other, smaller other comics along the way. DC and Marvel took ver- two very different routes during the Silver Age. Marvel sat down and said, like with the likes of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, they were like, well, let's tell stories about these superheroes, but what if we have them actually progress a bit through quote-unquote time, comic mm-hmm. time, wh- however long that is? Now, stop stop me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that they wanted a sort of more realistic approach to these stories, and that's why they don't live in a town called Gotham or Metropolis. They live in the real New York City, that sort of thing. The tagline, which I don't know if it came later or earlier or during was the world outside your window. Mm, okay. That's the idea, right? Is that Marvel, for the most part, is supposed to be a very real version of our world. All right? Odd thing here and there, like Wakanda and Atlantis, but, you know, both of those are hidden places. And Madripoor, ooh, well, that's pretty foreign. Nobody really goes over to Asia anyway. It's the 50s and the 60s. <laughs> Not knowing what the next, that this would last for... 40, 50, 60, 70 years going on mm-hmm. now. Anyway, Silver Age, Marvel got serious and serialized. And when I say serious, I still mean like Peter Parker is still upset that he didn't get a date or he had to miss the date. Mm-hmm. DC went fucking goofy as fuck because <laughs> DC, DC called the Distinguished Competition by Marvel. Mm-hmm. Their whole thing was, if we can sell a cover, that's what kids want to buy. Mm-hmm. Right? The, is this what led to, like, the f- collector boom? No, no, no. Okay. What I mean by this is that the cover would give you what the story could entail. So, oh, okay. Oh, no. Batman has to marry a gorilla for some reason <laughs> in this issue. Why don't okay, you so read this was to not, find out? This is not a limited edition foil cover. This is what is the most exciting clickbaity cover we can come up with. Yes, yes, okay. this was a, the original clickbait, because D- DC didn't fucking care. In one issue, Batman marries a gorilla. In the next issue, oh no, Batman now has to go out every night in a different Batman-colored costume, and it's him surrounded by, like, 12 different colored Batman outfits, and he's like, I must, Robin, I have to go out in a different color every night. <laughs> and it doesn't matter, because, no, it, it's not like in that issue you're sitting down and you're like, well, where's his gorilla wife? What does she think of all this? Because that story fucking sucks. Nobody cares. They just would move on to the next thing, then the next thing, the next thing, whatever to sell colors, cover, um, comics. This where's is not Marvel my gorilla house. Like... This is not my gorilla wife. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where Marvel creates Fantastic Four, right? Spider-Man. Fantastic Four is regarded as the first silver age proper marvel heroes Mm -hmm. doctor strange yada yada yada, all these characters and you get these names starting to come up like steve ditko who will come up in a bit into the 70s 80s this is called the bronze age and all of a sudden you've got people who grew up reading the comics are now 
being hired to write the comics. Up until now, that didn't really happen so much. All of a sudden, you get guys like Chris Claremont who comes in and says, I love this continuity. I want to dive down into, the fuck was up with that pterodactyl dude? Let's make him important again. And, oh man, Magneto's dope. What if he survived the Holocaust? Right? Mm -hmm. And we get more of this folding in of real world... Sorry if you can hear that. Real world things coming into the comics. And this is where DC started to get away from whatever the cover is, it sells. Mm -hmm. And more into, let's actually tell stories. People want to know what Green Lantern's up to and The Flash and what if there was... uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, fourth world shit. And like really out there, you know, Mm -hmm. cosmic, bizarre shit. Then into the late 80s, you get guys like Frank Miller who come in and write the the Dark Knight Returns, right? We've all seen the cover. It's Alan Moore, right? Yeah. Uh, Guys like this were like, okay, what if we explored the psyche of these characters? Like, what if Batman was the sole hero left? But he gave it up because he was so worried and he saw too many people die, yada, yada, yada. And this is his last big stand. It was all these great Elseworld ideas of, well, it's not the main continuity, but it could be. Mm -hmm. These could be consequences for actions. Then we got into the 90s. And the 90s went wild because (laughs) Rob Liefeld jumped onto a title called New Mutants, which was one of Marvel's highest selling books. Mm And he changed the art, and then he and I want to say Nicieza, but I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. They essentially pushed the X Men writers out to the old guard because Chris Claremont had been writing a majority of the X Men titles for 16 years straight. Yeah, I think we talked about this in a previous, maybe the Hellfire Gala episode, where he'd written it yes. for an insane amount of time, and not just X Men. He he was writing X-Men and then he created new mutants and wrote part of that. And he created, uh, he helped create X factor and helped develop all these stories together. And he became this sort of, um, showrunner, if you will, showrunner yeah, for all yeah. the mutants stuff. Because he had like so this big, way, uh, years long chronology, right? Yeah. Chris Claremont was the kind of guy who, in the middle of a story, will bend down, plant a seed, and then just keep on with the story. And it's the most natural thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, there was that time that a piece of techno-organic virus fell into limbo. Pff, that'll never come back. Five years later. Wait, that's weird. New York is in hell now, and everything's made of, like, Tron shit. This is reminding me of, like, <laughs> RTD's early work on Doctor Who and Torchwood. Yes, 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 yes. When Russell T. Davis was at the peak of his powers and mm-hmm. doing some very good shit. Oh, I'm so excited for him to come back. <laughs> Cautiously anyway. optimistic, because when he is at the top of his game, no one can beat him. We all remember any Whovians out there. We all remember watching the first season of the new Doctor Who and getting to that final episode and going holy shit, you planned this from the beginning. I mean, obviously you did, but you yeah. did it so fucking well. Yeah, it's right? it's probably people... my favorite series of Doctor Who ever. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the reason people get bad wolf tattoos, right? Yeah. yeah. Into the 90s, it became more about the guys who read the comics 
by the guys who read the comics, right? You've got your mm-hmm. Jim Lee, you've got your Rob Liefelds, you've got your Fabian Nicieza, but now they're bringing in that new 90s sensibility. And I'm not shitting on it, but it's you know the hyper-muscular masculine men and the impossibly thin-waisted women with contortion bits and pouches on everyone and guns on everything and you know this isn't your dad's spider-man this one's a cool spider-man and literally all of the heroes at some point in the 90s all of the major heroes at some point in the 90s get replaced right it was this thing that happened all over the place like batman got replaced by two different dudes uh superman got replaced by four different dudes all the avengers died and got replaced by the thunderbolts who are much cooler and i'm so excited for their movie and we'll talk about them later but yeah they get a get... they get a drop here i think in the comic that we're talking about i think they do they do okay it, it's it's great uh and and so these guys came in and everything was like extreme right you know, it's a Kool-Aid blaster and a skateboard. <laughs> At the end of the 90s, a new guard of people started coming in. Now, these are the guys who read the Alan Moores and grew up on that kind of shit. Whereas Rob Liefeld and his people were the kind of people who were reading just like Captain America and the Hulk. And, you know, the quote-unquote regular shit. Yeah, it's you not a new, new generation, like, but like a half generation off. Yeah, yeah, half generation. That's that's good. These news guys come in and say, "All right, we love the comics. We love what's happening. We're gonna, we want to make this world more real." And this can all be sort of pointed towards. And I'm getting to the point with the J- GLA in a bit. <laughs> this can all be pointed towards a comic called The Authority, which was essentially an alternate u- universe um, pastiche of the Justice League. Imagine if the Justice League, who are effectively gods upon Earth took it upon themselves to solve every problem in the world by force because nobody else can stop them and they call themselves the authority so they'd go to these war-torn countries and just murder the dictator on live tv and say do better and then fly off and like there's an issue where they kill god who's a giant eyeball from space uh, <laughs> And uh, they destroy an alternate universe of England that was colonizing uh, parallel universes. That one seems fair. That seems just. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, totally. They, they fucked their country up and then they said, um, <laughs> you ever come to our universe again, we're going to do way more than that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're dope as fuck. Because what they also looked at, the writers, was like, what if shit had consequences? Right? No more of mm-hmm. this, like, uh, Batman gets punched down a little bit, and then he's fine the next week, right? Like, it, does, it doesn't quite work that way. So now all these new writers are coming in going, yeah, we want fucking consequences. Just before GLA, Great Lakes Avengers, comes out, this, mm-hmm. this title, Avengers had just gone through what is called Avengers Disassembled. Now, Avengers has never been really an A-list title up until very recently. It was like a B-plus most of its time. Sometimes it would slip up. A Mm -hmm. lot of the time it would slip down to like a a low B. Yeah. Right? But Brian Michael Bendis came in and said, I'm going to pull on some strings that people have forgotten to write about for years now. 
and I'm going to fuck the shit up. And because the sales of comics like The Authority were doing so well and all these writers wanted to take it in that direction because, you know, market and how we want to read things changes. That's totally fine. I don't blame them for that. He wrote Avengers Disassembled, which is uh, essentially all the Avengers start getting weirdly personally attacked just in broad daylight. Like, Tony is suddenly drunk in front of Congress even though he gave up drinking years ago because he's an alcoholic. And then all of a sudden, Jack of Hearts, who's D-lister, don't worry about him, uh, shows up on the grounds because he'd been missing for years, and he blows up and he kills Scott Lang. uh, Dead, right? Huge crater in Avengers Mansion. And then Vision shows up, and then Vision spits out a bunch of Ultrons, and then at the same time, the Kree spaceship shows up, and oh no... Tons of scrolls at the same time. Oh, fuck. We're all getting fucked. Everyone's, like, the Avengers are, like, it's not Avengers Assemble. It's like, Avengers Assemble, everyone who has ever been an Avenger before. Show up now, please, dear God, now. And they Mm -hmm. do. And they're fighting off these Ultrons, and She-Hulk has gone full-on Hulk, right? Mindless Mm -hmm. rage monsters, so they're trying to subdue her, too, and... You know, everything's going weird, and they're just like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And then Doctor Strange shows up. Mm. He's never been an Avenger before. He rarely interacts with them, but he shows up and he goes, hey, I know what's going on. Sorry, I'm going to do a better Cumberbatch than that. <laughs> Rachel, I love you. Uh, <laughs> he shows up and he says, oh, this is all a fucking illusion. It's Wanda who's doing it. Mm. turns out Wanda went uh, crazy for lack of a better uh, word because she remembered last year that she had given birth to boys who turned out to be demon hands and were taken away from her so much so that she had to magically have those memories erased from her she remembered for more on again. this go to Disney Plus <laughs> <laughs> anyway she goes wild. She uh, basically Tetris's Hawkeye to death. He, he goes away, and a bunch of Avengers are like fighting. And Beast shows up, and he's all, "Oh, I'm Beast. I'm I'm evil." No, he's he's fine at this point. He's evil now, but mm-hmm. bureau- bureaucratically evil. Anyway, they managed to subdue her, and she's like, "Oh, please!" And they're kind of like, "We don't." We don't have a choice, Wanda. When who should show up? Oh, it's Magneto. Magneto shows up. Great. And he's all, um, that, how, how do I sound like a gay Ian McKellen? Well, that's just Ian McKellen. <laughs> Ian McKellen shows up. And he's all, that's my daughter. Let's go. And he takes her away. And then uh, the Avengers are kind of on mm-hmm. the lawn. And part, part, big hole in New York. And they go, well, we fucked up. Guess there's no more Avengers anymore. Goodbye. And so they disassembled. The end, question mark? Well, there was no Avengers title for a little while. Oh, wow. This is why GLA exists. <laughs> As a miniseries. In the meantime, X-Men's still a big title. You've got mm-hmm. all these things, but you have you now have this fresh hole to plug. Mm-hmm. right? Of a B-grade title. Mm-hmm. You generally want to trade the level of a title for another level of that title, right? Mm -hmm. 
to even out your spreadsheets and blah, 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 blah. GLA isn't going to be that because their <laughs> only appearance to date had been in West Coast Avengers, which was a C-grade spinoff of <laughs> Avengers. Yeah. Which was a B-grade title. Is Kate Bishop a, uh, a West Coast Avenger? She will be later. This is mm, the okay. first incarnation of the West Coast Avengers. Okay. Audience as well, don't take my word as sacrosanct when I say B-grade and C-grade. That's generally been my impression. Other people might say, oh, I fucking love that. That was an A-plus T. It's like, great. I love that for you. But nobody was buying West Coast Avengers. Anyway, mm. issue 46, Great Lakes Avengers. They're based out of Wisconsin. And it introduces you to these brand new characters, all with shitty powers. Basically. Yes. <laughs> they're all gags. They're all goofs. They're not meant to be like, they're not meant to be the Avengers. So at the time they had Avengers, which is based on the East Coast. They had Avengers mm -hmm. West Coast. And now the reason that they called themselves the Great Lakes Avengers is that there's no North Coast of the United States. While the <laughs> Great Lakes are kind of like that. Oh, let's do that then. Yeah. It's a joke team that they decided to resurrect using the Red or Dan slot in the absence of the actual Avengers. And I love this fucking joke so much. <laughs> so much so that the cover for the first issue is a mocking of the Avengers disassembled cover. Yeah, I get Mr. that misassembled, disassembled joke now. Yeah, so if you if you were to replace all the characters on the front with characters from the Avengers at that time, you'd have mm -hmm. your Thor and your Cap and your Iron Man, and it'll all be, ooh, dramatic. But in this case, it's... Well, goofums. Yeah. That's kind of the state that we're in. We have a cast of characters. Mr. Immortal, his power is that he is immortal, and we'll find out later why. <laughs> his girlfriend, <laughs> Oof. Dina, Dinosaur, who a is... A double pun. I love that. It's a whole thing. You gotta see a picture. I'll, I'll upload pictures. Uh, Flatman, who looks almost like Reed Richards, <laughs> except he's just two-dimensional. Big Bertha who is an obese woman with incredible super strength and durability. Mm -hmm. Doorman, who is a level 10 teleporter, in that he can teleport you anywhere as long as it's in the next room. <laughs> Later on, they'll introduce Squirrel Girl, the aforementioned, created by Steve Ditko, as a joke with Iron Man where she defeated Doctor Doom. Yeah, she's also defeated Thanos. And then, last but not least, we have Grasshopper. <laughs> who will show up later <laughs> sort of that's very generous of you to include him oh it get, it'll, it'll get weirder I'll expand on the whole thing at the end of it uh, do you want to go through the synopsis then yes let's go through it issue by issue so this is a four issue miniseries we start out every single issue with squirrel girl standing in front of curtains basically telling us like what's going to happen she tells us that we shouldn't do anything that we see in this comic and then grasshopper joins her and says hey kids don't even read comics anymore and it's all unwashed virgins monkey joe then shows up he's squirrel girls like squirrel sidekick and he says you can direct all complaints to marvel at this mailing address and we turn uh, the page and we find out that squirrel girl was right because this is when we meet mr immortal aka craig he is immediately shooting himself in the head literally 
all but the last like five pages of this comic is then a flashback. And when I say this comic, I mean the entire series, not just this issue. He takes us through his life as all the people he loves die off one by one. And every single time they do, a mysterious figure that only Mr. Immortal can see takes them away. He's a sort of like imaginary friend through Mr. Immortal's life. And he encourages him to do things like climb in high trees, play with matches, jump into a crocodile enclosure. About this imaginary friend mm-hmm. uh, a character called death urge or craig calls him dirge mm-hmm. Again, you're probably nice wondering why 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 does this guy have skis i was also having trouble i i have to be honest i was also having trouble telling him apart from doorman uh for a good part of this because they're both sort of just like black silhouettes actually with the skis part Yes this, yes, this actually is important. I wasn't making so just the skis, a pithy observation. So the skis I did not pay as much attention to because I was trying to make sure that it was Dirge and not Doorman. It was Dirge and not Doorman. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing about the skis. In Jack Kirby's Fourth World, written in oh, DC Jesus. Comics, there was a character... <laughs> character I know, I know. This is why I got to explain shit. There was a character <laughs> called the... the 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 black racer and essentially it's a death designed only for the flashes so you will see this character crop up in flash comics chasing after the flash and that's when flash is generally like oh no i I might die or someone i love might die yeah i gotta go into the speed force and stuff and he'll like this this guy, this black racer, will be after him. Here's the thing. The black racer wears skis for some reason. But but that's for Flash. That's not even in this universe. The black racer is entirely in black and has spooky black skis that he chases the Flash down to kill him. <laughs> that is why Death Urge just has skis on for some fucking reason. <laughs> and why squirrel form of death urge also has skis on despite being a squirrel yes you understand death urge or dirge hangs around craig his entire life um basically taking everyone he ever loves away from him so for example both of his parents die and he gets put into foster care he gets put in this abusive home Okay, but the upside to that is he meets this girl, and they fall in love, and they move out of the abusive home together, until eventually Terry dies too, and Death Urge takes her away. It's in this moment that Craig is like, I have nothing to live for, I've lost everything, I'm going to kill myself. And he throws himself off a building, and is horribly mangled and survives. And this then leads us to a number of ways that Craig tries to kill himself. (laughs) Increasingly cartoonish, like chaining himself to something heavy and jumping into the ocean. He's sitting on a box of dynamite. (laughs) Eventually he learns, no, he is in fact immortal. And he thinks, okay, well, you know, maybe this isn't so bad because this means I have superpowers and I can be a hero. I do love the thought that goes into this. He goes to stop a bank robbery and immediately gets shot in the head. And they just step over his body. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, he eventually comes back I mean, to life, but not super quickly. <laughs> it's not like the bullets bounce off him. I mean, there, there's there's a benefit, I guess, to being immortal. 
And think of it this way, too. He's now got the rest of forever to get real good at karate or something. (laughs) He's got to figure out the most... Wait, no, I just invented the concept of suicide bombing. Let's not do that. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Sarah, stop. Because he is immortal and has superpowers and wants to be a hero, but he obviously can't do it alone, he places a personal ad for other heroes who want to join a team with him. So that's where he meets Doorman, the living portal, Flatman, the 2D defender, Big Bertha, the ample Amazon, and Dinosaur, Wisconsin's winged wonder. And we've described everyone except Dinosaur, who is, I think the easiest way to say is a sexy pterodactyl. Yeah, sexy pterodactyl. And also Leather Boy. But he's not a superhero. He just thought the personal ad was a kink thing. (laughs) So together they form the GLA. And we see them, you know, they're having adventures together. But the important thing is that they're friends. And they're a team. So one day they're out in the Quinjetta. (laughs) I love that joke so much. (laughs) When they find Maelstrom, who, who they tell us, like, literally in the text... They're like, he's a big Avengers villain. Sam, is he a big Avengers villain? Okay, so Maelstrom is... Alright, he keeps saying this in in this comic, that he is the product of an inhuman and a deviant. If anybody is super Mm -hmm. MCU literate, you'll know that Inhumans was a TV show that failed miserably. And that the deviants are the bad guys from the Eternals movie. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a a weird offshoot anti-eternals thing Mm -hmm. so yeah he's supposed to be the crossover of those two and then he creates this protoplasma energy blah 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 he's a bad guy and he's just got that whole like "Ah, i don't belong to one culture or another so i guess i'll just fuck up the avengers every once in a while Mm -hmm. it's not good (laughs) let's just say it this way uh, of the many 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 marvel characters that have been made into toys over the decades i highly doubt there's a maelstrom action figure out there. <laughs> so maelstrom's trying to steal something it's some sort of heist right craig is immediately injured because that's the thing he's like a normal human being in terms of getting injured once he's grievously wounded he's taken out of the fight And the nice thing is here, Dinah comforts him. And for the whole previous part of the story, we've never been able to read Dinah's dialogue. Craig is the only one who can understand her. It's like a a Chewie and Han Solo sort of thing. Yeah, but what... Yeah, but with... Fuck, that's if Chewie and Han were fucking. There's this really beautiful effect where... Dinah is comforting Craig, and for the very first time, like, we start to be able to read her dialogue. Like, it's really, really pale and hard to make out. And that is right before Maelstrom rips her in half. And she's dead. She's completely taken out. One one GLA will die in every single issue of this. That is the promise that they make to you. Death Urge appears again. He's gonna take Dinah away. Craig is again losing somebody that he loves, and then we flash back to the beginning of the story where Craig has the gun to his head. That's that's issue one. Yeah, 
It's uh, it's a real up and down, guys. <laughs> this is a really strong issue. I think, like, in terms of telling one story, the story of Craig or Mr. Immortal, we, we get sort of, like, the eye on other characters later on, but I don't think you ever relate to somebody as much as this issue wants you to relate to Craig. No, it's it's clear who's supposed to be the star of this miniseries. Mm-hmm. It's Mr. Immortal, right? It's yeah. It's about him learning to accept himself and his yeah. purpose in the universe as dark as that purpose is. Yes. Yeah, the rest of the characters kind of each get their own issue, but even then they're nowhere near as fleshed out as Craig is. No, no. Even my beloved Squirrel Girl, she's mainly just here for the jokes. We come to issue two. So again, at the beginning of every single issue, we're going to have Squirrel Girl at the front sort of telling us what's going to (laughs) happen. And she is mourning the good old days when comics were fun escapism and the good guys won. Not like in this story. (laughs) Yeah, because so, now we're in the gritty 2000s, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, if if it didn't say GLA brackets 2005 on the Marvel Unlimited app, I, I feel like I would be able to pinpoint this to 2005. <laughs> so we rejoin yeah. the GLA at Dinah's funeral. Of course, Death Urge is there again, and everybody watches as Craig goes berserk at Death Urge, who, of course, nobody can see other than him. Deathridge says he's not actually mocking Craig by showing up here, but instead he understands that now's a very trying time because he's just lost Dinah, of course, and he's trying to offer his support. This does not work. Craig is out. He is basically out as leader for the rest of the story. While Craig is out, now Flatman has to step in as a deputy leader. Now we have to deal with uh, the fact that F- Flatman, who is Dr. Val... Ventura, because all of these characters also have old-time superhero names, Mm -hmm. a lot of alliteration, and uh, he is, he looks almost exactly like Reed Richards all the time, and it's very distracting, but in a funny way. Mm -hmm. Also, he disappears if he stands sideways. At the right angle, he does vanish, so... (laughs) (laughs) This is a very silly book. Maelstrom talks a bit about, like, mine is a high and lonely destiny, blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, he has to get peons like Batrock to help carry out his plan. I'm surprised there's any backgrounds left with the way Batrock is chewing them in this miniseries. You remember who Batrock was in the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know Batrock f- largely from the movies. He's a bad guy in... In the comics, he talks like he has um, Gambit's accent. <laughs> That's how I read his accent being written. Up until now, he is, he's become one of those goofy cast-off villains where, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's kind of this pile of characters that accrues over time of just shitty villains that we can trot out and have the good guys beat up easily. Mm-hmm. And by this point, Batroc de Lipper had become one of those. Uh, and it's not until Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, that his character was massively resuscitated <laughs> by getting Jean Saint-Pierre to play him. Yeah, Georges Saint-Pierre, actually, a UFC fighter, like somebody who is actually killing it in that movie. It was the smartest 
casting decision I'd ever seen mm-hmm. because Joe St. Pierre's fighting style is Backlock the Leap Bearer's fighting style in the comics. Like it it was Ooh. written as that way back when. Mm-hmm. So actually having this dude who knows how to do it, it's like, whoa. And now Batrock's had a bit of a facelift in the comics where he's he's a bit more of a credible threat, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's no longer like Oh, look, it's the fucking jumping French guy. Wow. But this is what? Nine years before Winter Soldier comes out. Winter Soldier, the movie. Yeah, roughly. I feel like there's one of the other, like, goons there is somebody that I should recognize, but Batrock was the one I really knew. No, the other two haven't really been in anything. One's called Machete, and the other one's something. They're, they're both like, I have a really good time with this very specific weapon where I'll base my entire character around it now. (laughs) Yeah. They've read comics before. Like a dude who discovers monster energy drink. And then all of a sudden he's got the hat and the shirt and his car has got a big decal on the back. And it's like, dude, what? (laughs) We meet Ashley Crawford, the biggest supermodel in Wisconsin, frustrated that she isn't getting any bigger or better jobs. I hope you just file that away. She's not coming back this issue. (laughs) Flatman and Doorman talk about how the team's falling apart, so they need to take action to bring them back together. Flatman's plan is, let's go to New York, since it's the nexus of superheroes, and let's see if we can get anyone to join the GLA. I love this plan, because (laughs) as we go through it, I'm going to give you some real fun background on characters. Okay, because I made a list of everyone that I recognized. I do want to point out, though, that Doorman insults Penn Station, and it does smell like pee, and it is actually the literal worst, and I love New York City, and Penn Station can go burn in hell. It's the worst. I just wanted to get that out. (laughs) So, everywhere they go... They get rejected by everyone they ask to join the GLA. Okay, so here is what I spotted. First, they meet up with the swordsman, who is not Hawkeye, and would like you to know that he is not Hawkeye. Uh, Moon Knight, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Daredevil. Let's slow down a bit. Let's let's okay. back up. Starting with the guy who's not Hawkeye. He's definitely not Hawkeye. I don't know why you think he's Hawkeye. Okay, so first, yes, he he's dressed almost exactly like Hawkeye. This is going to get real <laughs> fucking weird in a second. Hawkeye had been killed by Scarlet Witch, and mm-hmm. he, he was dead. She murdered him with chaos shit. Mm-hmm. This guy is Swordsman. He joins the Thunderbolts, and the Thunderbolts are... S- the Thunderbolts at this point have become a very weird team in that initially their idea was that we pretend to be Avengers replacements, the Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. when secretly we're all bad guys and we're just going to wait until everyone believes us and trusts us implicitly and then we stab them all in the back and get everything we want. That's very camp. That was the, that was That's very camp. <laughs> and that was a great plan to start with, but as the series progressed half of the characters started going, wait, people respect us and help us out with things if we do nice things for people? What? (laughs) So a bunch of them become good guys. And later on, some of them will even become Avengers. Actual (laughs) Avengers. But anyway, the Thunderbolts by this point have become a team of bad guys who joined this team in hopes of rehabilitating themselves into good guys. 
So you have Shocker, you have Radioactive Man, you have Songbird, Atlas. Excuse uh, me, you can't tell me Shocker and Radioactive Man with a straight face. Uh, see, this is why I have trouble differentiating what's an actual like in-universe reference and what's a gag. None of these are gags. These are all like straight face characters. And here comes Swordsman. Swordsman joins up. He's real good with a sword. He never takes his mask off, not even in front of these guys. Uh, and he's super protective of his sword. And every once in a while, if he, like in a fight, if he feels like he's losing, turns out he can fire like this blast of shit out of his sword as well. He's real attached to this sword. It sounds really cool. I'm going to take the wildest left turn here the man under the mask is known as andreas von strucker like baron von strucker he is the grandson or son sliding time scale it gets weird yeah. because baron von strucker was from nazi times uh, well world war Two. yeah andreas had a twin sister andrea von strucker they are the children or grandchildren of baron von strucker they're also mutants whose ability was when they hold each other's hands, they can essentially create like these destructive blasts mm -hmm. of cool destruction energy shit. They're also Nazis. Yeah. And they're, and they're also fucking each other. Ugh. Incest Nazis. I don't know why that was the thing that tipped me over the edge of them being gross. So... The guy on the team right now, Swordsman, is Andreas von Strucker. His sister died a couple years ago. So, boo-hoo, no more blasts. But wait, how is he firing blasts? Oh. <laughs> he skinned her corpse and used the leather that he made from her for the hilt of his sword, which is why he can still fire cool blasts by touching his dead, dead sister. This is... Weird. Yeah. Incest Nazi. <laughs> yeah. With his okay. dead sister as a hilt. Anyway, we'll move past that. Yeah, next page was Moon Knight. Yeah. Yeah, Moon Knight. Weird as hell. Watch the series. I, st I still haven't watched the series despite loving uh, Oscar Isaac. It's kind of like Namor, where I only know of Namor in like bits and pieces on the edges of other people's stories, and he's so friggin' weird. I don't want to learn anything more about him. <laughs> I just want him to keep being this weird forever. Ruler of Abslantis. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man, Wolverine, Daredevil. Alright. We meet a guy... Okay, yep. so this is when I start to lose the ability to ID everyone. You skipped over one page, yes. which had one of the kids from the power pack which yes. is a group of children superheroes and then living lightning who is also a gay superhero mm -hmm. all right now we get to the big page first yeah. guy is wonder man okay who's wonder man wonder man is the guy whose vision's brain is actually based on but he's got he is made of ionic energy he is a being who has coalesced himself he used to not have that thing he was just a regular dude who had jetpack attached to his belt but now he's an ionic energy guy and currently he's i think he's still trapped inside of rogue in the comics is he um the one who's in an upcoming uh movie he is he's getting his own series on disney plus oh, for okay. some fucking there we go. reason okay <laughs> next guy next guy is justice 
and next to him is his girlfriend Firestar. Firestar is from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. She is the girl that Emma tried to raise to be a weapon against someone else. And in order to keep her in line, Emma blew up her pony. Oh my god. Justice is, um, he's a mutant. He has telekinesis. He wants to be just like Captain America. So he's kind of a shitty mutant who's like a cop. Mm. And everyone kind of hates him for that. Next down, that's Monica Rambeau. Oh, okay. Uh, and then right next to her is Falcon. Falcon, yes. And then I don't know anyone until we get to Kurt, and I forget what Kurt's other name is. Oh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Doi. Yeah. So next is Hercules. Uh, okay. The Marvel Universe giant by himbo. Underneath them is Cloak and Dagger. Okay. Their whole shtick was that they're runaway teens, and then they got some street drugs forced on them and the drugs turned them into superheroes because it awakened their mutant abilities and she can throw sh these light daggers that can hurt or heal depending on how she feels and he's this spooky cloak boy who can teleport using they his had cloak a tv show stuff. a while back too yeah that ran for two seasons and had a crossover with the runaways tv show i haven't hmm. watched it yet but it's on my list too Next is Nightcrawler. Yes, you were mm -hmm. aware of that. Underneath Dagger, the the kitty lady, that's Tigra. Mm -hmm. uh, her, her whole deal is that she's like part tiger. <laughs> you don't say. And then I don't have anyone until Luke Cage, who's the very last one. <laughs> okay. okay. Shang-Chi. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Black Bolt, okay. Whose, uh, whose name is Blackagar Boltagon. Yes, okay, I thought it might be, but um, I only know him from Doctor Strange 2. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. it's that guy who doesn't talk. It's probably. It's Anson. Anson Mount. Yeah. Your co-worker, Anson, Anson Mount. It's Anson Mount, yeah. Next is Paladin, the kind of purple and black dude. Mm -hmm. He's he's just a mercenary, who fucking cares? Uh, next to him is Sleepwalker, who's... He's from the dream dimension, and he can walk through people's dreams and beat up bad guys sometimes in the real world. Eh. Next is Prodigy, who was one of the identities that Spider-Man took on in the 90s when he chose to give up the Spider-Man identity and pretended to be four different dudes instead. It's wild. And then he gave the suit to a guy, and then shortly after this, uh, he will be cut in half and he will be dead. The, the yellow and green dude, I think, is 3D man. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right, this guy, uh, next to him is Ursa Major. He is a Russian mutant who can mm -hmm. turn into a bear. Very uh, Brother Russian. Brother Voodoo. Yeah. Next guy is Brother Voodoo, who was briefly Sorcerer Supreme. And had a relationship with Rogue for a bit. Uh, underneath him, no idea. Probably a pirate. Who knows? The thing that barely fits in the frame is Awesome Andy, who is uh, an adaptoid. Essentially built by an evil scientist to take down the Avengers, Awesome Andy could replicate any of their powers. But then he turned good, and now he works in a law firm, which is why he has a suit and tie on. <laughs> Next to him is Aranya, who's like... Marvel tried to redo Spider-Man in 2000, but with a girl, and she was 
magically turned into a spider person. And now I think she's Arachne in the comics. I don't know what her deal is at the moment. No idea who this guy in the blue and white is. Don't care. I doubt he's done anything. And then it's Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage. There we go. That's it. That's You're it. all caught up. <laughs> so they have been rejected by everyone that Sam just mentioned. We cut back to Flatman and, <laughs> Flatman and Dorfman. <laughs> Uh, They're sitting in a park, they're disappointed, they're getting rejected so much, when suddenly they get mugged, but who swoops in to save them? Squirrel girl! They ask her to join. Squirrel girl, squirrel girl! (laughs) And she agrees if Monkey Joe can come too, and unlike literally everybody else, she's actually excited to join. They also come across Grasshopper, who you mentioned before. Grasshopper, (laughs) we could go into... (laughs) They build a character for Grasshopper. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. Because Grasshopper is foiling a heist by Maelstrom's goons. And while they're fighting, Flatman's like, Grasshopper, you're great. Do you want to join too? And he says, yeah, that sounds amazing. He is instantly murdered. 5.8 seconds. He is AGLA. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's, here's the thing about Grasshopper. Mm-hmm. This is the first... Of five different grasshoppers that join the team. (laughs) Well, if they go through them at this pace, I'm not surprised. Guess what happens to all of them? (laughs) Do they all... Is this like Spinal Tap's drummers? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the joke, yeah. That uh, if if you become grasshopper and you join the (laughs) Great Lakes Avengers, you die. (laughs) It's very funny. He gets like a sort of trident thing straight through the face. And then we are on to issue three, which I think we're going to have some things to talk about. God, issue three. This is where it gets real fucking rough. But again with Squirrel Girl, but this time, instead of Monkey Joe, she is joined by Big Bertha. Both of them complain that this comic is upholding unrealistic beauty standards and handling women's issues poorly. And if you don't agree with them now, you will in a few pages. They don't say that. That's me saying that. That's me saying, oh boy, does this take a turn. And Big Bertha says again, it's because comics are written by unwashed virgins. Here is the address to send your complaints. Blah, 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 blah. Again, we are back to the fight from the very first issue where Craig shoots himself in the head, except this time we're focusing on Big Bertha. Big Bertha is also Ashley Crawford, the supermodel that we met last issue. She says the GLA aren't what you think of when it comes to quote-unquote model superheroes, but the funny thing is she literally is one. Ashley is the biggest supermodel in Wisconsin. Her superpower is that she can add and subtract hundreds of pounds from her frame at will. Now, the adding part seems to be easy. So, for example, we see her, like, stopping a bus and saving school children. But the subtracting, she says she has a, quote, unattractive method, which we see the results of on a, no pun intended, splash page, which is vomit. Every once in a while, Monkey Joe will have a sort of, like, insert panel where he'll be like, Hey, kids, don't try this at home. And he says, Bulimia is never funny. Which is throwing a hat on a hat. It really doesn't work here because the joke that they're making isn't a joke. Like, a hat on a hat is one thing, but a joke on a joke is another. And sure, it can be, like, a fun escalation, but... 
the problem here is the original joke isn't funny. And I'm not being all like, we can't joke about eating disorders or anything like that. Um, I actually think it would be really interesting if you had a superhero with an eating disorder. The problem here, and this is, this is my issue with it, um, and we're obviously going to talk through this, but yep. I feel like the way that Ashley's um, power is put across is that she's embarrassed by it. It comes across as something like incredibly gross. That's why we get the big splash page of her vomit spelling out the title of this issue. And it's embarrassing to her. And those are both things that are like actually true to having bulimia. I don't feel like the writer is actually saying anything other than like, here's a way that people lose weight. And what if we magnified it? So that's why I feel that this does not work. <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I full heartedly agree with you. I get that this was the low hanging fruit for supermodel jokes. Mm -hmm. And, and in the very first issue uh, that G, uh, the great Lakes Avengers showed up in, in West coast Avengers, she does appear as both Big Bertha and Ashley Crawford, like mm -hmm. in both forms. And Hawkeye and Mockingbird are there, and they're all—they're both like, "Wow, holy shit, we know you. You've been on the cover of Vogue and crap." Mm -hmm. Right? Um, yeah, this joke only comes out here. Mm -hmm. There's a subsequent Great Lakes Avengers series that came out a couple years ago, and it ran for seven issues. One of the biggest emotional arcs that happens in those seven issues is Ashley Crawford coming to love herself in terms of body positivity mm -hmm. where she stops being quote unquote model thin and she accepts herself as a bigger person mm -hmm. and it becomes like oh I see you know all this time I've been you know going about this the wrong way I don't have to hide mm -hmm. who I am yeah I can take off what I want but and she finds this comfortable middle ground for herself. Mm -hmm. It's it's fairly poignant. And the series, I believe, was written by, I think, Leah Williams. I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and look. But it was clear that this author went into it and said, I like the Great Lakes Avengers. I hate this one joke. Mm -hmm. What can I do to undo that? Because I don't feel like the rest of the story or anything surrounding Big Bertha suggests that she has an issue with how she's perceived in these different ways. Like she, she doesn't make it clear that she's the same person the whole time uh, to people like, like the sleazeballs that she works with and that sort of thing. But like, she's very happy. It seems when she's able to use her powers to save people, it never comes across like she hates being Big Bertha even though Big Bertha is drawn in like this stereotypically uh, from a certain Western point of view, unattractive way, that sort of thing. I, I see her using her Big Bertha strength to stop that school bus as like this beautiful, beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, she can be exactly whatever size she wants at any time, which she is in complete control of. Which I think is a really, really cool concept. Except for this one joke, yeah. Uh, so I would then recommend you read the second series from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Because it's better. Also, it introduces the character Good Boy. Mm -hmm. Good Boy is a werewolf. <laughs> I was going to ask and... if he was a dog. <laughs> no, no, sorry. You're, you seem to be mistaken. 
it's not a he. I think uh, good boy is gender non-binary. Oh, okay. But just likes the term good boy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's amazing. Good, good boy is great. Uh, every once in a while, it's like, ah, gro- drooling, snarling stuff. But most of the time, it's drawn with the biggest puppy dog eyes imaginable oh. on a werewolf. Oh. Back to Ashley. We see her life modeling uh, and working with these gross sleaze balls. They see the GLA on TV and they laugh at them because, like, look at these losers. They think they're superheroes and they're just the GLA. And then we move to somebody else watching the same broadcast. It's Dr. Doom. <laughs> Flatman and <Is> Doorman. <laughs> According to the text, at this point, it is Dr. Doom. Uh, so Flatman and Doorman introduce Squirrel Girl to their HQ. Uh, she meets Craig. He is incredibly out of it. He's very drunk. He is wearing dinosaurs clothing. I believe they say that he's downloaded something like 57 different copies of One is the Loneliest Number. <laughs> friends don't let friends listen to Amy Mann, guys. Hey, I love Amy Mann. <laughs> Death Urge hovers outside the building, telling Craig that there's a reason for all his suffering. So he travels beneath Lake Michigan to Maelstrom's super, uh, super secret base, where Maelstrom goes on again about there's one great secret, there's the design of the universe, blah, 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 blah. I, I sort of like, yeah, he's, it's the it's the comic equivalent of like monologuing. Oh, and Maelstrom can actually see Death Urge. He's the only person that we've seen so far besides Craig who can see him. Back at GLA HQ, Squirrel Girl, Doorman, and Flatman decide to figure out what Maelstrom was stealing when he killed Dinah. And they leave Monkey Joe behind to watch the base. Because he's not just a regular squirrel. He's super smart. Unfortunately, when they do, Dr. Doom sneaks in and murders Monkey Joe. And it turns out that there was no reason for the rest of the GLA to have even left. They could have found all the information they needed online. Ashley is the first to get back to GLA HQ. She is the one to find Monkey Joe's body. And this is where I kept hoping against hope that he was going to make it. Because I was like... There's no way they're killing Monkey Joe, right? But no, they make it very, nope. very clear, I'd say about half dozen times, that Monkey Joe's body is so mutilated that there is no way he is ever, ever, ever coming back. Issue four! Another member of the GLA has died. Yeah. That is at least one per issue. So at the opening uh, issue for Squirrel Girl is in tears because she's asking, like, what kind of sicko would do this to an innocent squirrel? Even worse, who would write it and then who would read it? Ashley is transformed into Bertha and is pinning Doctor Doom, but it's not really Doctor Doom. It's Leather Boy, the kink dude from before. Ashley calls him a Doominatrix, which is actually pretty fun. <laughs> so... So there's a very good reason why they're confused that this might be Doctor Doom. Although, Mm -hmm. for most people looking at this, they would say, no, clearly that's not Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom wears, you know, big silver armor, and that Mm -hmm. looks like brown shit. So, by this point in the comics in Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom had finally come to the realization, ah, the only way to beat Reed is not through science, but it is through the blending of science and... Und the supernatural. <laughs> I will become something he cannot even imagine. So at this point, he got rid of the armor and he... Well, he had also died and gone to hell. And now he's back from hell. And sure. he'd made himself 
this magic leather armor that he wrote a bunch of runes all over it. He was all like, oh, I'm going to become very magic now to defeat Richards. That fool! Richards! <laughs> and that's why the confusion. Couple things happen at this point. Number one, Deathurge has shown up in squirrel form to take Monkey Joe to the afterlife or whatever. But... <laughs> I can't get over this. It's exactly like the death of rats in Discworld. But at the same time, Flatman and Doorman are having this big discussion about like, well, you know, you should have known because it was a leather thing. And listen, BDSM isn't necessarily a kink thing. And it's not a gay thing. And it's not a straight thing. And some straight people are into BDSM. That's, that's very good. <laughs> it's this very adult and I don't mean adult in the sense of they're discussing sex but in Naughty. the terms of they are having like a very well reasoned discussion but also in the background yeah. Craig is beating up a ghost squirrel that none of them can see <laughs> well it's it's also this scene that sets up that uh, flat man decides to come out to his teammates exactly say, doorman is like listen i know the real reason that you keep like being so intense about this and Flatman's like yeah i am gay <laughs> <laughs> this, that's a, one of my favorite jokes number one it's great it it's does. like a great moment I... for representation and everything but death urge finally oh, in caped ski wearing squirrel form gets through to Craig about what he's been doing his whole life. He says, listen, Craig, you're immortal. Yes, the people around you keep dying. They're gonna keep dying. They're not gonna stop dying. You are eventually going to see the universe die around you. You know, it's each panel draws out and it's like him discovering his dead girlfriend and him surrounded by the corpses of his teammates and him ankle deep in skulls and bones and that sort of thing. <laughs> no, what I'm actually doing is I'm, I'm giving you a gift. I'm helping you to come to terms with this. And Craig goes, you know what? You're right. I am a mutant. There is Homo sapiens, which is what we are. There is yep. Homo superior, Homo which superior, is what who are mutants. Are the next stage of evolution. He is Homo supreme. So he, after this very heartfelt <laughs> discussion with the death squirrel that no one can see, and after Flatman has just come out to his team, <laughs> Craig has had a realization, and he turns to the team and says, "I just found out." I'm homo supreme. How awesome is that? And Flatman says, always have to one-up me, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) It is the best joke this four-issue series has made. Uh, Oh, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm homo supreme motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) so they take the fight to maelstrom you know they're fighting they're fighting there's all these guys who you tell me now that like machete and things like that i'm like these guys are probably important no they aren't no god no squirrel girl doesn't have monkey joe anymore but she does still have an army of squirrels that she can summon to her 
Well, they're in Wisconsin. It's filled with squirrels. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things here is when uh, Craig is like, I, I can't figure out how we're going to win. Cap would find a way. Hawkeye, too. I'm a real Avenger. And he just starts blasting his gun indeterminately. <laughs> Again, Mr. Immortal's whole thing is that he's going to, he's going to live through everything. Doesn't mean he's going to get real good at doing it, though. No. Craig uses a doorman to get close to Maelstrom. And Maelstrom's like, no, you don't understand. I saw the collapse of the entire universe. This is everything everywhere all at once. That's what it is. It's the, it's yeah. nothing oh, yeah. matters. Oh, versus nothing matters. Nothing matters. This is their discussion. Holy They're shit. Like, yeah, Holy it's, it's shit. exactly the same. crack this comic book open? Oh my <laughs> we cracked this case wide open. And so Craig gets through to Maelstrom by saying, I'm hunting down like, the Daniels. <laughs> by saying, listen, like, if nothing matters, then yeah, you can destroy the entire universe with the machine that you've built. But like, why not do what I'm going to do? Why not just kill yourself? It's the exact same thing. And he lifts the gun to his head and he says, look, I'll go first. Oh, it's so good. And we're back at the start. Full circle, baby. Full circle. Maelstrom then <laughs> shoots himself in the head and smacks the button to turn off the machine. And the day is saved. Hooray. Except they think that they've lost Flatman. <sighs> Big Bertha couldn't keep oh, a no. grip on him and he got sucked in. Oh, no. <laughs> Another dead Great Lakes Avenger. Except he's not really. All of his clothes got sucked off and he was embarrassed, so he was standing sideways. <laughs> the fucking silliness of this. And they all have a big hug uh, around Flatman, despite him protesting that, yes, in fact, he is naked and he's not very comfortable with this. And... Then we have the GLA, you know, they're back together, they're a team, they're gonna fight another day. And that's the Great Lakes Avengers. Oh, wait, no, not quite, because then they get a letter in the mail from Stark Enterprise. Oh, saying, yes. <laughs> hey, you motherfuckers, <laughs> stop using the Avengers name without license. We need you to give it up. And so Mr. Immortal has to tell the team, sorry, we can't be the Avengers anymore. And the team's like, well, what are we going to call ourselves? And Squirrel Girl says, hey, I, I'm a mutant. Because you're kind of a mutant, right? And Doorman says, I'm a mutant too. And Flatman says, so am I. And Big Bertha says, so am I. So they get the great idea <laughs> to rechristen themselves as the Great Lakes X-Men. That's a great punchline. This punchline will be continuously followed up with the, the same punchline several times over the next few years, where they become the Great Lakes champions, <laughs> the Great Lakes defenders, <laughs> and at one point, the Great Lakes initiative. Now, in the main universe, they are, and forever will be, the Great Lakes Avengers. Okay. You say, and forever will be, but... I mean, it's comics, right? 
Who knows? Who knows? I mean, let, let's face it. Squirrel Girl became an actual Avenger after this. <laughs> yeah, because she's friggin' great. She is friggin' great. She was on um, New Avengers and U.S. Avengers. And then for a brief period of time, she stopped being a mutant when Marvel and, uh, and um, fuck, Fox were oh. debating over the rights and stuff. So Yes, because they made a pilot the- for this. Uh, so it was sort of this. It was okay. partially the Great Lakes Avengers, but also crossed over with another team called the New Warriors, which was uh, at Marvel a, f- a fairly popular hit during the 90s because it was a group of teenage heroes who all before had had their own individual titles, but none of the individual titles really worked well. Mm-hmm. But when they were all thrown onto this team together... It sold. It sold really well. Again, this would have been like a B plus, maybe an A minus book at the time mm-hmm. in terms of sales and popularity. And so they want they pitched this half hour sitcom that was a blend of the New Warriors, that team, and the GL, uh, GLA. And they were going to call it New Warriors. It was going to be led by Mr. Immortal. And the way they described him is, he's immortal, he's got all the time in the world, why learn karate right now? Right? <laughs> That's a great joke. Uh, Squirrel Girl would have been in it, yep. Uh, Night Thrasher, who's from the New uh, Warriors, he he built a really cool skateboard that can like hover, but also do all kinds of other cool shit with it too, like shoot lasers. <laughs> so, cool skateboarding teen. It's funny because I don't know if it still exists, but Thrasher was a skateboard magazine. So as soon as you said Night Thrasher, I was was picturing skateboarding. Yeah, skateboard. Um, Two different versions of Namor's cousin slash sister were on the team at some point. She wasn't going to be in the show. Deborah Fields, whose name is uh, Debris. She -hmm. is a mutant with low-level telekinesis. As in, can't pick anything big up, but she can pick up a ton of little things and spin them <laughs> around her. Uh, microbe, who's a guy who can talk to microbes and control them. Kind of useful, kind of not. And, yeah, I think that was more or less the team that was going to be in the show. They filmed a pilot, they shopped it around, nobody picked it up, so it disappeared. And no, I don't think it's even on the internet in terms of no. a physical thing, which is unfortunate because we love Squirrel Girl and she yeah. was in it. Who wouldn't love Squirrel Girl? She's dope. But yeah, in terms of the Great Lakes Avengers, that's the main four issue series. I did say there was a second seven issue series that comes later. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's fun. It, it undoes, well, it tries its best to undo that one terrible joke in this series. Mm-hmm. And I maintain that's not even a joke. It's, it's not making a twist on anything yeah I, it was that edgy 2000s humor right of like that's oh, the yeah, thing. Model. I bet, yeah bet they all throw up uh, isn't that funny oh what if there was a model that turned into a big lady but in order to turn back into a model she had to throw up right uh. this is definitely a book that's going for all the lowest hanging fruits sam are the great lakes avengers or is the great lakes avengers dealer's choice is it camp? No, 
I I really don't think so. I I want to. I wanted it to be because I had very fond memories of this in terms of when I had read it as a young adult. But I think you know I grew up and some of my sensibilities have changed. Where I now see the the giant splash page of vomit. It's not as funny as it used to be. But uh, you know what? We grow up and we learn, hey, that's not such a great joke. It's not camp. It's funny. It's silly. But beyond one brilliant joke about homosexuals, <laughs> Great Lakes Avengers is not camp. Sarah, is it camp? I think I have to agree with you. The concept feels very, very camp. But to me... <sighs> this is basically the same plot as mystery men right and where mystery man takes that group of people with terrible powers having to band together to save the day and runs with it i feel like this doesn't get elevated in the same way i i am really interested in reading that other seven issue run but no this is really really funny i really enjoyed it except for the issues with um issue three that we have talked about but no, I don't. I don't think this is camp. Okay, so sorry, guys, not camp. Hey, it's not a value judgment. It's not to say that it's bad. <laughs> camp doesn't equal good. We we can dislike the things people. And still think demand good. camp. This is why they're here, Sarah. J. Jonah Jameson is slamming his hand on the the desk, saying, "Damn it." Bring me pictures of a camp Spider-Man. Actually, hold on. There is a camp Spider-Man coming <laughs> yes. out. Did you see the pictures of Web Weaver? No. Okay, so every couple of years, the Spider-Man part always goes into a Spider-Verse thing, ever since <laughs> the initial Spider-Verse. And they just pump out more variants of Spider-Man. Yeah. Just like, what if Flash Thompson had been Spider-Man? What if a million spiders think they're Spider-Man? What if, yada, yada, Craven the Hunter, a pig, uh, blah, 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 blah. This year, they've decided to introduce a dune buggy that's Spider-Man. <laughs> a t-rex that's spider-man love it and my favorite web weaver who they've announced proudly as the first gay spider-man that they're writing <laughs> web weaver is um an, an assistant fashion designer to janet van dyne who is a fashion mm -hmm. designer in the marvel universe and his outfit has ruffles and broad shoulders, but a very thin and tapered waist. And all of the pictures of him have him with his hand placed gently upon his breast in a very superior <laughs> web weaver. I love him. Oh, I see. Oh, yes. That's a bold eye. Yes. Yeah, bold. His fearlessly femme identity is central to who he is, but it's not the story. Oh, yeah, he looks fun as hell. Fashion Spider-Man, Fashion Spider-Man! <laughs> so thank you for joining us today on our exploration of the Great Lakes Adventures. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice, leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes, and next week we will be discussing the play that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is a whole series. There's six episodes. We're going to be talking about the whole shebang. Yeah, we'll we'll blend it together. Mm -hmm. And sorry, did I say play or did I mean the show that goes wrong? So if you've never seen 
the play that goes wrong or the show that goes wrong. You are watching a show that things like people forget their lines or don't come in at the right part or the sound cue doesn't go off at the right time or a prop doesn't work, things like that. And it just escalates and escalates and escalates. It's very farcical. I will say that it is very pantomime, very farcical. I have not actually watched the entire series because I loved it so much when I started watching. I was like, I have to dole this out. I cannot binge this. Yeah, I made it like two episodes in and I was like, oh, I would love to watch this with these specific friends. And then I never got the chance to and it fell by the wayside. But I just remember. Now I'm forcing your hand. Ah, damn it. Have you seen Noises Off? No, not that I'm aware of. Uh, So Noises Off is a play, and they made a movie of it too, where um, the first half is, it's very much like the play that goes wrong. The first half you're watching people rehearse a play called Noises On, which is the same sort of thing. It's like a, a door slamming farce, that sort of thing. And then the second half, you're watching the actual live performance. And because you've seen them go through the dress rehearsal, they're sort of doing all of this, all of these shortcuts in the second half. It is insanely funny. Stephen Fry said once that he had heard uh, a theater show, Noises Off, they would have issues with wet seats afterwards because people would pee themselves laughing. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's if all you ever see Noises Off, please take the please take the opportunity to see it. All right, I will save that in my brain. Anyway, you, our audience, our campers, can continue our discussion on our Twitter and our Instagram. I am at Reese Indigo, all one word, R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way. And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Bye! Ta-ra! Like it. Not too camp. No, not the way you do it.